Do I do what I wish that I did, did in my life? Am I in alignment with goodness? And these questions I think are, are, are uncomfortable because what, what if the answer is no? And I think for many of us, maybe the answer has been no. There have been moments where we've been out of alignment, where we don't like who we are or we feel a sense that, man, I'm, there's room to grow. There's room to grow. It brings to mind, uh, I remember when I was a kid, my, um, my mom was the usual um, dealer of justice in my home. She kind of ran my home growing up because my dad was at work, my mom couldn't work, my parents are immigrants, so my mom had some, some visa issues. But she also loved staying home with us and being a stay-at-home stay mom. Those of you who are stay-at-home moms or have been, you know it's a full-time job. It's, it's not a joke, not a game. And that, that was my mom, my mom was awesome. And um, I remember when I would get in trouble, um, my mom usually just like, she laid down the law. Like my mom was playing no games at times. And my mom had no problem, uh, you know, handing out punishment, handing out, uh, you know, my, what, what, what she would call natural consequences. <laughs> and, but every now and then, every now and then, when I was really bad, like I was real rude, real ornery, or real disrespectful, or I did something wrong, I, I was a little bit of a, a, a hyperactive terror <laughs> as a kid. And every now and then, I would be a little bit too wild. And my mom would say this phrase, maybe you've heard this phrase, maybe you heard this phrase growing up. When your father gets home, you and him are going to have a conversation. When your father gets home, mercy. And I, rem I remember, you know, for, and there's something about it, like my mom definitely, again, she was competent, she could hold her own, she had no problem, uh, you know, laying down the law. But for some reason, there was just a little more trickle of fear when my mom would say, when your father gets home, you're gonna have a conversation. And she's like, I want you to go upstairs and sit in your room until your father gets home. And I remember, oh man, that time waiting until he gets, because oh, I'm just stuck in my room for like a couple hours and I'm just waiting. I'm just like, oh man, what am I gonna do? Just pace in my room as a nine-year-old, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do? He's gonna spank, so I gotta like pad. I gotta, oh man, I, and I was tricky. Man, I would always pad the pants. <laughs> I would always pad the pants. I remember my mom, one time she sent me to the attic and she's just like, you need to wait into the attic and I'm gonna come up there later. And I, I knew what was happening when she would come up there later. But in the attic, we had this box of magazines and I was like, oh, armor. And so, so I got those magazines, I put them in. Man, she didn't even know. I, I put them in. So then when she came up, she was like, are you ready? And you know, she was clearly broken up about it. She was, she was hurt, she was actually crying. My mom always cried every time. And I remember, um, man, I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> but you know, but, but you know, you gotta act the part. I was like, no, please. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is the worst ever. But she caught on quick. I only did that two times and she was just like, her eyes narrowed. I remember the second time her eyes narrowed. She was like, what's in your pants? I was like, no, I'm discovered. Uh, it was not good. But every now and then, my mom would say, wait until your father gets home, man. And I remember that fear, that trepidation, because I was like, oh, man, this is not, it's not a game. Because when my dad got home, my dad, you know, was not some abusive, crazy, flying off the handle sort of person. No, by any means, my dad is 
very extroverted, life of the party. Uh, you know, he tends to choose love over and over and over. He, he brings joy to the room. Um, but every now and then, when I was really, really in trouble, I remember my dad would have a conversation with me, and it was like the disappointment alone, right, was enough. Um, where he would say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed in you. So all of this, here we are on this tangent, but all of this makes me think of the shepherds and their fear. Because isn't that just like us, I think at times with God? Because we know who we really are. We know our deeds done in the dark. We know the state of our own hearts. We know that at our worst, you know, when we snap at our kids or our friends, spouses, we know um, uh, ourselves in ways that no one else really does. Um, and I think there is an element of fear, discomfort, worry. We worry about, man, how, how does God see me? How does he respond to me? Um, now, just need to say this clearly, um, I'm, I'm not advocating for or against corporal punishment. That wasn't the moral of the story. Only saying that I think sometimes we view God a little bit like nine-year-old me in the room with fear and trepidation about what, man, what, how, how is God going to meet me in the end? Um, somewhere within, there's this intuitive sense that uh, we are out of alignment with him, that, that there's a wrongness, a brokenness, even a guilt, perhaps. Um, and we know why, right? The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So what is this to say, right? The, 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 the Apostle speaks and essentially says, man, every single person in the world who has lived, has ever lived, is living, and will live, is all out of alignment with the divine. That we've all fallen short in some way. That there's a, there's a, a brokenness that needs healing. There's, a, there's a, a twistedness at times to the human heart, left alone without the power of God. So it's, it's no wonder then that the shepherds reacted with fear, I think. It's no wonder then that they were terrified. Because all of a sudden, when you're faced with the divine, all these questions, right, like the people at the comedy show, all these questions begin to arise. Am I enough in the divine's eyes, right? It's no wonder that people get uncomfortable when the name of Jesus is brought up. Because the Bible tells us that our greatest fear actually is true. That we are out of alignment with God, naturally, without him. That we actually are sick, that there actually is a brokenness, that there is a problem called sin that we need saving from, that we have not lived up to his standard. Or said another way, the Bible tells us the way God ordered the universe all centers around a single principle, which is love. And we find ourselves unaligned with that way, unaligned with love. And so we fear feel a little trepidation, the hand shakes as we think of, oh man, what is God going to do? Like nine-year-old me in the, in the attic waiting for my dad. Man, I just know that I'm out of alignment. I know what I did was wrong in my heart of hearts. I know that I can't live up to the way that he wanted me to live up to. So how does God respond? That's the fear. Now the joy. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 2. Here we have it. Luke 
glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, this is an interesting verse. Um, I usually love ESV. It's my favorite translation. But this one instance, I actually don't love ESV because I think it's missing a little bit of what the original language is trying uh, to say. Maybe some of you have remembered the, the old way of, of saying this verse, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, uh, goodwill towards men, right? You've probably heard that. What's interesting is in the Greek, here's the Greek. I love showing you guys the Greek because I think it's really important, especially in a, a bilingual church like this and community where we have Spanish speakers, English speakers, as well as other languages. We, we kind of have the idea that different languages communicate different depths and nuance, right? But the Bible actually wasn't written in English. And I think it's always important for us to remember this because English is our best attempt to understand what the book is saying. But really, when we read it in Greek, we, we understand. So remember, we have a little bit of Greek. We have epigase, uh, a name, and anthropois eudoxius. That's from my Greek professor. <laughs> um, what does this mean? On earth, peace, first line, with mankind, goodwill. On earth, peace, with mankind, goodwill. And often, as you guys know, I like to make up my own translation. Not make up, but put words to my own translation. Um, and so what I've come to is peace to mankind to whom he has goodwill. Peace to mankind to whom he has goodwill. Now this word mankind especially I think is important because sometimes we get the idea that God only likes certain people. That only certain people are in God's good graces. If you look a certain way, dress a certain way, talk a certain way, believe a certain way, if you are a certain type of person, okay, then God has favor towards you. But if you're a different kind of person, then God doesn't have favor towards those types of people. If you smell the wrong way, talk the wrong way, etc. If you're not a church person, for the church people, this verse is for the church people often is what we think. But what's interesting about this word, mankind, which we just saw, anthropois, it's a word that doesn't just mean men or people or even just men as a gender, but it actually, it means all of mankind, all of humanity. It's expansive and rich and depth and deep in that sense. It means all people. So really, peace to mankind, peace to all of humanity is the announcement of the angel to the shepherds. So the shepherds, they fear, the angel comes, and they're terrified, and yet this is the response the angel has. Peace to all humanity, to whom God has goodwill to all people. It echoes a verse that probably many of us are familiar with, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But that first part, for God so loved the world. Sometimes we get this idea, man, God is just, he just has like anger and wrath and then Jesus steps in the gap. He protects us from, from God the Father, right? But really, and this is, these are Jesus' words. That's John 3, right? Jesus is speaking, and he says, God loved the world, so he sent his son. God loved the world. God looked down, and he saw every person who ever existed, ever lived, and his primary emotion was love. Man, I love that. It's so good. One scholar, Joseph Thayer, he says it this way. This means that men in whom this means that all men is with whom God is well pleased. Not a particular class of men, 
believers, but the whole race contemplated as blessed in Christ's birth. The whole race contemplated as blessed. So what is this saying to us? As we start to wrap up here, what, what, is, what is this saying to us? What is the announcement of the Christmas story here, week three, as we contemplate? I think it's saying that despite all of our fear, despite all of our tendencies to and be a little uncomfortable, to worry, man, how does God think of me? Despite how unaligned with love we are, despite how corrupted with sin we at times tend to be, God looks at us with gracious pursuit. He looks at you with gracious pursuit. It means that no matter who you are, what you've done, no matter your story, your journey, whether coming to God for the first time, or you did as a kid and then left for a while and you're coming back, or maybe you, you, you've journeyed for a long, long time, and it's just been difficult recently. No matter what the journey, what the story, where you are, you've been deeply loved by God. It speaks to one of my favorite verses of all time, which is 2 Corinthians 5. I think it is my favorite verse of all time. 5, 17 through 20. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Continues on in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I love that verse, truly. It speaks, I think, the opposite message that maybe some of us grew up hearing in church this message that, man, I need to climb my way to be reconciled to God, that I need to do kind of God's part for him, that if God, if I work hard enough, then God will see me and therefore, okay, I see, I see that you've, you've checked enough of the boxes. Now I can reconcile you to myself. No, this verse says the opposite. God in Jesus on the cross was reconciling all humanity to himself. He's already crossed the line and said, extended a hand to each one of us. And so really the call is for us to be reconciled to him. He's, he's already reconciled himself to us. It brings to mind um, an old hymn, an old Christmas hymn. Maybe you've, uh, you've sung it before. You probably have. It's a classic. Can't go wrong. And I wondered if we could close by singing it together. Hark the herald angels sing. Just the first verse. You guys ready? Let's sing it together. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. 
Joyful all ye nations rise, join the tribe of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Do you guys catch that line? Christ and sinners reconciled. Over this Thanksgiving, I went to visit some friends, have a little Friendsgiving. Uh, up in, at, at Andrews University, I have a lot of friends who are still students over there. And I uh, had gotten word of a little drama that had been cooking, a little tea that had been brewing. I caught wind that perhaps there was a friend who maybe like had beef with me a little bit, or there was some, 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 some sort of, you know, he had some sort of problem or some sort of issue. And this is a person that I, I, I really appreciate, uh, is, a, is a good friend of mine. So I was really worried. And when I got there, I remember we had all eaten and then we were sitting around um, on the couch. Man, and the whole, the whole meal, it just was sort of not ruined. It, you know, I still had a good time, but I was just sort of thinking in the back of my head, like, oh man, I, I really want to talk to him because I'm the kind of person I always want to reach out. If I think there's something between us, I always want to try and reconcile, do everything I can because I feel like I just, it weighs so heavily on me. And so I was just thinking, man, how do I approach this? How do I, you know, and even another friend, he, he brought up to me, uh, you know, he, he pulled me aside. He's just like, yo, he, he has a problem with you, man. You need to talk to him. And I was like, oh man, but, but he wasn't talking to me. So I was like, oh man, what do I do? How do I, how do I figure this out? Um, so we sat down on the couch and I was trying to figure out how to, you know, we were all seated together and I was trying to figure out how to bring it up. And to be honest, I choked. I wanted to bring it up, but I, I, was, I, was, I was worried. I was afraid. I, I didn't know how to approach it. It was, it was too awkward. I don't know if any of you have been in a situation like that. Um, so I kind of carried it with me for like a week or so after. But then out of the blue, he called me. He reached out. I was like, yo, what's up, man? And he's just like, hey, man, I don't know what you've heard. But I just want to let you know that I don't, feel any, I don't feel any kind of way towards you. That I love you, man. And I don't know, I don't know what the rumors are or what, you know, what the rumor mill is. You know, people are saying that there's beef. He's, he, he's like, I heard about it from someone else. It wasn't even there. <laughs> and I was, I was, man, the sense of relief that I felt in my heart. Because this whole time I had been worried and I was so afraid and I was so wondering because this person means a lot to me. And I was like, man, I, I, what do I do? How do I fix it? Little did I know that in his heart, he never felt different about me the whole time. Man, you already know where I'm going with this. I think God is the same way. That, oh man, we worry, we wonder, we fear. God appears, he comes into the space and we think, oh man, God, am I, am I okay in your eyes? Do you love me? And God says a resounding yes. And I reconciled you to myself. There's nothing you could ever do that would take you out of my love. The onus is still on us though. And so in the words of Paul, 
I don't know who needs to hear this today or where you're at in your life. This is not a word of condemnation or judgment towards you, but a joyful encouragement to be reconciled to God. If that's where you're at, if you need to, if it's been a while, you've been out of alignment, that's okay. God has love for you. Be reconciled to God. Have a conversation, get alone, say a little prayer. God, it's been a while. Do what you gotta do. And I've learned in my life, every time I do that, God meets me with love every time. So why don't we pray together? To you, I wish you peace. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for reconciling us to yourself, God. Despite who we've been, despite the shame, despite the guilt. God, you come with gracious pursuit for us to a world that was lost in sin. God, you came, you stepped into the timeline and you said, no. I bring an announcement of joy that I have love towards humanity. God, thank you so much for this. Could we respond individually today to your love? We pray this in your name. Amen.